What's up? This is Beats. Welcome to another episode of The Get Down. Tonight we have a special guest from Melbourne. His name is Glenn Munso. He's an author, all-round good guy. He's got a couple books out, Drugs Do Not Discriminate and I Quit Drugs. Now what? He's helping people across the country, fighting addiction and uh, changing people's lives. So uh, let's rip straight into it. Glenn, how you going, brother? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Um, yeah, just stage four lockdown, bro. Stage four lockdown. <laughs> ah, that's tough, eh? That's tough. I've got a few friends in Melbourne, hey, and uh, I've been working with a mate, a graphic designer, and every time I speak to him, he's like, if I see another fucking photo of a Queenslander down the beach, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's fucking, it's torture. I just have to rush home now. Just to make that eight o'clock curfew, so. So eight o'clock. Fucked up. You got to be inside by eight o'clock, and that's that. You have to be inside. That's yeah. Hectic. That's hectic. Which, yeah, yeah, man. It's um, I thought it was bullshit because I was gonna go for a run the other day at eight o'clock, but um, I seen cops circling the state that's <laughs> with their lights on and everything. Yeah, bro, it's like a movie down here. That's it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, man. So. It's hard to fathom because I've I've been up here the whole time, and even though we had stages like i was an essential worker so there was a few times where there was less traffic you know but it just seemed like yeah. everyone just kept going and then um yeah it's 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 i don't think it got to stage four up here ever i think melbourne's oh, just, really? yeah so yeah well they warned us yeah, about it's pretty fucked up they warned us about a second wave man the pandemic yeah. Yeah. yeah i know it's been like, yeah, it's been pretty hectic, man. Uh, the gym hasn't even been open. Like, we closed down the gym on the 26th of March. Right. From March to now in September, I've been open for two weeks. Jesus so, Christ. And then that's it. Then you had to close again. Yeah, we opened for two weeks in, like, I think it was, like, July 20-something to – or, no, it was, like, June 20-something to, like, July 7th or something. That's the time I opened. And then closed down again. That's tough, man. And then – that's right. That, yeah, so. That's rough, man. All right, we'll go get into something a bit more positive, man. So um <laughs> <laughs> um I just want to talk about like how I met you just to tell the listeners um it was actually I think we found out that you don't even know the person that I know who, who sort of how we met. So yeah. there's a bloke there's a rapper called Morns. And he's he's, yeah. he's a Melbourne rapper, and he put one of your posts up one day. He just shared one of your posts and said, "Look at this cunt! What look at what he's doing!" And I was like, "Oh bullshit!" And I was like, "Look at this fucking gorgeous black bastard, man!" <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I sort of I sussed out what you were doing, and I was really impressed. And then hence, I think I contacted you. I started like reading a few posts, and then we met up at um, that thing in Adelaide. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later, but um, so just for the listeners, can you explain a bit about your background, like your your childhood, where you where you're from, or where your family's from? I know you're an Aussie, but where your family's from, and 
what your childhood was like and where you grew up and stuff like that. And then we'll go on to like how you sort of started getting into trouble and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So uh, my background's uh, Mauritian, so both my parents are Mauritian. Um, so um, I guess the culture is, you know, lots of lots of drinking, lots of, you know, they, they like to drink their alcohol a lot, a lot. So, you know, I guess I kind of grew up in a home. The old man drank a lot of alcohol, yeah. um, which, which I guess made him like very violent as well. So, you know, I grew up in a household that was, I guess, there were lots of fighting and stuff like that. Um, you know, my old man used to fight with my mum like heaps. So there'd be heaps of like screaming and, you know, yelling and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he, he drank a lot, which just made him more aggressive. Uh-huh. But, you know, he's like that old school kind of guy. Like, you know, he'd still go to work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You know, very, very hard worker. You know, we went to private schools, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, I guess with that old school mentality, as long as I work, Mm. Um, and send my kids to school, that's all I, I need to do sort mm. of thing. Mm. Um, so I guess on the outside, we probably looked all right, mm-hmm. but a lot of shit happening on the you know inside in terms of like, you know, the dysfunctional fucking fighting and drinking and yeah. the shit that just kept going and going. Um, so from day to day, yeah. from looking from the outside in, he's a fun- he was a functioning alcoholic. Oh yeah, bro. Like, like full on. Like, so he go work twelve hours, then come home, go to gym, everything. Like, he just yeah. was normal, <laughs> apart from his aggression, really. But um, yeah, from the outside, it looked it looked good. Um, I guess family members knew what was happening, mm-hmm. um, but but none of his brothers or sisters would say shit because he's like the oldest, and mm. you know he's he's a bit of the hardcore one, so no one would kind of like step up to him. So is that a is that a problem in Mauritian is it Mauritian? Yeah, yeah, Mauritian. Yeah, in that in the culture. I mean, I know it's a problem uh, ev- everywhere, but is that a mm. stereo stereotypical problem? Domestic violence. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say domestic violence as such. Maybe just drinking a lot. Like, okay, you know yeah. they like to drink their alcohol a lot. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, I guess the culture in like back then anyway my mum would never leave my dad because you, it was sort of like unheard of, yeah. you know, no, no matter how much bullshit he put her through with all the fighting and all that sort of stuff, she still stuck around mm. and was like, you know, just there because that's what you just did. Yeah, you know, so there, it wasn't did. like, yeah, bro. So it wasn't like, you know, you, you leave your husband of all that sort of shit. Like that shit was even, that was like unheard of. Um, so, I guess in terms of that, um, as in like the women just staying there, that's probably, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it was, I, I guess it was very unheard of for, I guess, Mauritian families back then anyway to kind of like split and the, yeah. the wife to leave the husband and shit like that. So yeah. you kind of just put up with it and fucking, yeah. yeah. That's sad, isn't it? I, I, know a yeah, few, right. I know a few Aboriginal people like that and, it's like they don't want their man. They know that if they report it, their man's going to go to jail, and they don't want their man in jail, so mm. they just put up with it. And that's that's sad. That's sad. So you, yeah. you went to private schools, though. So you're educated, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, bro. I can I can spell my name and shit. <laughs> so um, when when did you start getting into trouble then? 
So I would say probably about 15. Yeah. Um, so 15 years old. So what was that like year eight, year nine? Yeah. Um, you know, started, just started with weed, really, just smoky weed. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I guess it went from like a weekend thing, you know, you're experimenting, you're drinking, partying, girls, weed, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and then that weekend sort of like went on to weeknights. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, it just kind of like escalated, I guess, from there. And then, um, yeah, once you sort of start smoking the weed, you want to try other stuff. It's like, what's what else is out there? It's a gateway um, drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. It kind of is, man. Like, I, I remember as a kid smoking weed and I would always be like, it's, everyone would say that it's a gateway drug. It's going to lead you down this. It's going to lead you down that. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Next minute. Yeah. You know, I was a, <laughs> I was a user myself. So, yeah, yeah right. So, and then, and then you do, I remember asking you, so you didn't really get into the hard hard drugs, did you? So, like, I did. Um, so I guess, you know, because I was smoking a lot of weed and I had a lot of friends that were smoking weed as well. So I kind of, like, met met someone who would literally, like, I'd always go to his house and be like, hey, man, can you get me a couple of Gs? Hey, man, can you get me three, five? Can you get me a QE? Can you get me an ounce? And I was going there all the time. And he was like, bro, like, you know, I probably would have been like, yeah, maybe 16, 17. He, he was like, 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 are you selling or like, who are you getting this for? I'm like, oh, it's just friends. And he's like, man, you're, you're fucking like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, what? So these guys are like older, like in their 30s and stuff at the time. He's like, you're an idiot. And he just chucked me a pound of weed and said, just fix me up later. Whoa. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, be a little bit more smarter with what you're doing. He's like, you can make money from it. Fucking, I'll give you this. And he's like, um, you know, you owe me. I was like, what? two and a half grand back then or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, just fucking, he's like, just um, pay me back, you know, in a couple of weeks when you can, mm. um, you know, and I, I guess they were like laughing, like they were for their friends, like laughing. It was kind of like a joke. And I was like, is this, this guy fucking serious? Like, is he giving me this? And then he's going to fucking snatch it off me and be like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? Like, I, I kind of know him, but they were like laughing, like, nah, he's not going to get rid of it. What are you doing? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, he will. Um, and then it kind of just started from there, man. I guess like now, I guess I was kind of like making money, like all the people that I was getting weed from, I was just sort of like mm. organizing it myself. Um, and then that just kind of escalated. So, mm. you know, then I went up, started taking, taking pills, you know, weekends, taking pills, yeah. um, you know, then you meet other people and you're, you're taking a little bit of speed and stuff. Um, and then ice started coming in the picture. A lot of people mm. were smoking ice, mm. um, so I remember I went kind of a little bit crazy on that, maybe for like a good two months where it was like fucking just, mm. you know, going hard on that. Mm. And it's but then, stronger than like speed. You know, when it, when, oh, yeah. when when ice came in, it was like, whoa. It wasn't like having a two of speed. It was like hectic, mm. you know. It was strong. Yeah, it was strong. Well, what's, so, that, what's that clicking, bro? Can you hear that? Are you clicking something? <laughs> oh, shit. It could be. <laughs> Sorry, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> sorry, sorry, bro. That's, I put my hands up. Right. I just thought it might have been an audio thing. No, all good. Sorry, bro. You're right. Um, yeah, so um, that just kind of escalated, like, you know, so, you know, having eyes, having pills, and then, you know, we kind of like, I think we're probably like 17 then. So, you know, we had like fake IDs and we're going to clubs and shit like that. Nah. And it was like, we're trying all these different drugs and then having weed at the end of the night. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, 
or I would make my money at the end of the night. You know, everyone's like partying and all that sort of stuff. And then on the come down, they're like, hey, (laughs) can I get a couple of grams after? Can I get this, that, that? I need to go to bed. I need to mellow out, whatever. Um, I shouldn't lie. And it just... <laughs> but it just went it went it went crazy for a little bit, you know, it went crazy. And then I remember there was, yeah, there was probably like a good two or three months where it was just like the ice was just like fucking a bit full on, yeah. Mm. So I was just kind of just trapped in that. But then because I've had all the weed, I wasn't like, you know, I'd just be like on fucking cloud up here, mm. just racing. And I wasn't I wasn't answering my phone. People were calling for weed. I wasn't answering my phone. I was up for a couple of days and I was sleeping for a couple of days, had all these missed calls, and I was like, <laughs> fuck. I was like, fuck, you know, I have all this weed and I'm not getting rid of it because I'm just fucking just haywire everywhere. Mm. So then I was sort of like, I guess I was like, fuck, I need to get rid of the weed. So I wasn't touching it as much. Obviously still touching it here and there, but then, you know, very, very on smoking a lot of weed, right, and just fucking being a fuckwit down that. Getting high on your own supply, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, pretty much. But um, it's just... um. Yeah, that just escalated, you know, um, in terms of like, you know, all of a sudden I was hanging around, you know, you, you meet other dealers, so you get cheaper stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you meet a lot of people. So, you know, it's just constantly, literally like a full-time job, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, like a lot of, I guess a lot of dealers have a cutoff time, you know. Yeah. You, you call them after 10 or whatever and they <laughs> stop answering. Ethics, um, drug dealer ethics. <laughs> yeah, but me, I, I was fucking answering every single phone call I got. So yeah. I was in and out of the house, you know, answering at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. No matter what it was for, if it was for a gram, I still do it. And yeah, right. I was just like, just going crazy with that and kind of just got caught up in that fucking mm. scene. Um, and as you know, when, you, when you're selling drugs, you're using drugs, you hang around that kind of crowd, yeah. um, spirals down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you have run-ins with, with fuckwits and <laughs> the people around the people around you aren't so, you know, um so good. Mm. You know? But not very um, close, not very uh, kosher. Yeah, so yeah, you know, you don't know who your <clears throat> Yeah, man. And you just don't know who your friends are. You can't leave money around, you can't leave yeah. weed around, you can't leave shit around. Um you Especially know with the people <clears throat> Yeah, so that obviously that is is a different ball game to it, like what I was, you know, mm. um, doing. But I was definitely surrounded by people that were selling uh, meth, and you know, once you owe or do them a favor of, you know, mm. helping get money for this, and it's it's just yeah, it's just a cycle of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> in your books, like for people, I mean, we'll get we'll get to them. But in the books, you then you talk you talk about having a bit of a brush with the law and that's and that was your catalyst for everything so what happened there so i guess for ages man like you know while i was you know on the drugs selling drugs all that sort of shit like i just at one stage i literally thought like if you got caught that meant you're a dumbass like and the dumb people got caught and the dumb people got to jail you went to jail all that sort of stuff because i've been pulled over so many times i've been searched so many times and no one ever caught me with my stuff you know mm. uh, but I had a I guess I had an altercation one time um, where you know I assaulted police officer wow, um, really? we, we got it yeah we got into a pretty hardcore fight like he broke my hand um, he maced me as well um, and I, I got the shit kicked out of me if I'm, if I'm honest <laughs> um, by like yeah I got the fucking shit kicked out of me so 
I guess um, that was probably one of the realizations where I was like, "Fuck, man, I need to change." Because you know, as as bad as it as it was, it, it probably wasn't um, how I was treated that night. Wasn't like like that shit's not normal. Yeah, you, you no, fucking no. you know, you're getting broken hand, you're getting mace, you're getting kicked like getting the absolute shit kicked out of and all that sort of stuff. And I had a really, really hard time when I kind of look back on that. You could say it would fall under like police brutality, yeah? Because yeah. it, was, it, was it was pretty fucked up experience. Um, but looking at it from a different angle now in terms of like owning my shit, mm. it was probably the only time that made me fucking check myself. Yeah. Um, so this was the first time I checked myself in terms of like, fuck, I need to change. So do you reckon you were set up or you just accidentally sold to a copper or was it a sting no nah, so no nah, no nah, so what happened we were um so it was just a normal saturday night i was fucking you know doing my drop-offs and all that sort of stuff met up with a mate behind <laughs> behind the shops that we used to hang out uh, and we we're just having smoke and every year in in the area around you know, january uh, december january the cops would do like a blitz mm. where there's just fucking undercovers fucking everywhere like literally everywhere, yeah. Like at the parks, in and out of the streets, just constantly, just circling. It's just crazy. They do that every now and then. Um, it's Melbourne, right? And, yeah, yeah, Melbourne. And and you you know who they are because you because we've seen them in uniform before. So you know we'd always <laughs> laugh and be like, "Look at this dickhead!" Like you know. But um, but this was at night. So at night, all of a sudden, undercover car comes, lights come flashing on us, and I'm like, "What, what the fuck is that?" Um. And then it's just this cop that I've never seen before. So um, he was searching my mate like really, really weird. Yeah. So I used to duck, I used to hide all my shit in my drawers. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he come and I'm just fucking bam, 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 money, weed, everything. And I'm like, I'm sweet. But this copper grab was the way he was like searching us, like he grabbed my mate's pants and put yeah. the light down and everything. <clears> and, and then that, then I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck's going on here? I'm so I was, I was like, me- yeah, and I was mouthing him off a bit. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't fucking do that. Like, what? who the fuck do you think you are? And I started walking off and um, he was like, fucking get here right now. And I was like, fuck off, you fucking pig. Um, and Melbourne Coppers fucking... don't play, man. <laughs> and then he um, he punched me in the fucking, in the side of the face. And I and I had sh- I had shit on me and I was like, fuck. So I was a big boy then. I was 112 kilos. Jeez. So in my head. In my head, I thought I was a lot faster than what I was, man, because <laughs> because I used to be fast. Yeah? yeah. So this whole five, six years has been putting on weight and just smoking weight and doing fuck all. But before that, I used to be fast. Mm. So I fucking, I just bolted, man. I just ran for it. Um, and this police officer all of a sudden started chasing me. Um, he had his pattern. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Pretty much. He had his fucking pattern. Fucking bang across the back of my shoulder, um, you know, and I was running again, again, bang again, um, and he hit me like maybe four or five times, um, and then he kind of went to dive. He dived for me, mm. and when he dived for me, I kind of like grabbed him and fucking grabbed him and slammed him on the floor, um, and then when he fell on the floor, his baton kind of rolled out. So I picked up that baton and I'm like, fucking, <laughs> I'm just like, fucking, you know, because I'm like panicking, like, fuck it. Like, I've never, yeah. you know, never been in trouble with cops before, bro. I was like, fucking, <laughs> next minute I'm going to fucking get shot or something. Like, fuck. In what year is this? So I'm like, 
2008. So Rodney King's well and truly. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I grabbed his bat and I'm like, you fucking hit me one more time. Yeah, I'll fucking hit you. And then, um, sorry, he had his mag light. That's what it was, mag light. And then that's what dropped. So I picked that up. And then he um, all of a sudden got one of those extending batter oh, fucking things. Oh, man. Yeah. They so he fucking... Hardcore. I, yeah, I just... Yeah, bro. Like, he just... All of a sudden, I heard it just go... Shh, like, like oh. extend out. And then he just fucking just went, like, in an X. Like, you know, bang, bang, big X across my thighs. Oh. And I fucking... And I remember just dropping, just going, whoa, what the fuck? And then I started running again. So when I ran, um, he... I crossed the road and fucking cars and shit like this is traffic yeah cars were going yeah. um i remember knocking on someone's door going fuck this cop's trying to beat me up and then he's like staying you know he's like just blue stay inside then he t- he threw me into like a picket fence and he was just like bang with that uh extended bat and just sort of just going hard yeah and then it got to a point where i was like just fucking arrest me just arrest me so i'm putting my hands out and every time i put my hands out he's just like fucking taking a swing bang my hands will go that way <laughs> Bang, I go that way, Jesus. bang, to the point, like, my hands got fucked up. So then I run again, and he's like, get the fuck on your knees. So I was like, you know, like I said, I'm having, like, a heart attack. I'm like, because <gasps> yeah. like, the running and everything. So the minute I stop, I go, I go on my hands and knees, and I put my hands up. Fucking, he comes from behind, and just all of a sudden, I just yell, <laughs> and he fucking just emptied while I was on my knees, he emptied a whole fucking bottle of mace in my face. And I, me- I remember hearing it die out. And I remember just being like, because <coughs> it was going in my mouth and everything, oh, man. And horrid. Yeah. So then I fucking got up again and I'm stumbling everywhere. And again, like I was saying, this is all fucking new to me, bro. So um, cops come, more cops come and I see him pull over and they get out of the car and I'm like, Oh, so I'm like, fucking help me. This fucking, this guy's beating the <laughs> fuck out of me. I'm like, help, help, help. And then this fucking cop just fucking, boof, just boots me right in the chest. Fucking threw me on the ground. And then next minute, man, I was copping stomps from fucking Jesus everyone. Jesus Christ, man. Uh, and I don't, like, you know, that's how, that's how fucking like stupid I was just to give that fucking, mm. you know, they're going to help me in that second. Um, next minute, yeah, they're ripping off my pants. Um, drugs. They found drugs. Um, so they found drugs. What drugs? They found money. So I had weed. So I had about half a bag on me. So fourteen grams of yeah. weed. But they were all in little grams. Oh yeah. So ready for sale. And mm. yeah, and I had about. I think I had about. Yeah, I had about three grand cash Fuck. around that anyway. So yeah. So I had I had money because I I just sold a whole heap and I just went home to pick up like another. I'd only usually carry half a bag, so 14 Gs on there. People want it bigger than, you know, organise that later out. But, um, yeah, so then I got chucked in the Divi van Mm -hmm. um, in my jocks. My hands were fucking on fire, literally. Oh, those bags are hardcore, hey? Oh, They're like pounds per square inch, like they break bones. It's fucked. Well, if, if I still go, if I still tap on my wrist bone there, I still get pins and needles run all down my fucking hand. So, um, yeah, so I was sitting in a divvy van and I was just thinking like, what the absolute, like, what the fuck just happened? Like, mm. what the, f- this first time in a divvy van and there's like fucking, I think there's like four of them, four yeah. divvy vans. 
you know, there's ambulance coming, there's all lights and shit. Um, and yeah, man, this was just like, fuck, like what the fuck just happened? And just escalated really, real quick. There's no like, can you put your seatbelts on now, guys, when they drive? Is it? I've been thrown around oh, the back of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro, like on the way to the uh, police station, yeah, like a pinball, pinball machine, <laughs> and yeah, they you can so, hear them laughing. <laughs> yeah, Dogs. so that was yeah, man, that was painful. And then when I actually got to, I guess since we're talking about it, but um, when I actually got to the police station, um, you know, the guy, you know, I was still like in my jocks and shit like that, and the guy, I guess, I assaulted. Yeah, right. um, yeah. You know, he um, he wanted to go more. So in the interview room, he put fucking mace in my drink. Um, and yeah, bro. So I like I didn't know. So my eyes were all my eyes were really fucked up. I couldn't yeah. see. So they did put they me offer in the interview you, room. Did they offer you water for your eyes or they're like, nah? Yeah, so so, so when the ambulance came, yeah. um, the ambulance lady was doing it, but then he came, he's like, That's enough. And and the ambo lady was like, nah, he needs more. And she's like, That's enough. <laughs> it's like Friday. So then, nah, I need 20 minutes. Got, got, got 19 to go. <laughs> So I remember when he, when the cop walked out, the lady got her own actual drink bottle and was just like just quickly. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to the police station, when I was in the interview room, um, the, that police officer that uh, that I had the main altercation with, mm. um, he was like, he was like, "Do you need some water?" And I was like, "Yeah, my eyes are fucked." So I didn't actually click on. Yeah. So he comes in, gives me water, and then they start interviewing me. But then all of a sudden, once I start sipping from this water, I only caught on to this later on. Once he started, once I started sipping on this water, fucking my eyes again just start watering like fucking hardcore, and I'm like, I can't see, and um, and I'm like, I'm fucked. And then I remember he he said to the female officer, he goes, Oh, look, it's really bad. Um, I need to go take him out the back where the hose is, yeah. so I can properly wash his eyes out. So after he said, and, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Didn't even fucking think, like stupid. And um, the female officer was just like fucking, just gave him a stare, bro, like a fucking death stare. Yeah. And they were staring at each other for ages. And she just said, I need to talk to you for a second. And they both went outside. Mm. Um, then she came back with a different officer and I didn't see that guy again. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then the man. And the main like officer guy there, an older dude came, and there's probably about seven of them. They took me inside, like to their toilets, to mm. wash my face and all that. Um, that's and then, hardcore, yeah, man, eh? Fucking yeah, man. That's a that's a story I don't even fucking I barely tell anyone too. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for the exclusive. <laughs> so did you? So you did they and they process you and lock you up and then you straight to court or did you make bail or what what happened then yeah so that night i made bail yeah um you know cuz you know like first charges all that sort of shit um so i made bail i probably got i got out of the police station maybe like three o'clock in the morning or something i was mm. there for fucking ages mm. my my friend that was with me they fucking chucked him in the duvet and put him in the interview room as well and mm. he fucking didn't and do nothing um so then yeah i was out on bail um and then my uh bail conditions was i was banned from my actual area um which i fucking i thought was bu- i thought it was bullshit like i actually thought it was bullshit so you think of like so like main highways yeah so like main highways like literally a big fucking block 
of like my area it said that i was banned from like you know police road jackson's road wellington road like this like a highway and um i'm th- i'm thinking like that's bullshit like you can't fucking do that to anyone like, what the <laughs> fuck is that um so anyway like months later um you know still out on bail i was at my mate's house and these same cops were you know harassing them in the meantime you know where's glenn we haven't seen him you know is he He's obviously listening to his bail and shit. Clicking a pen and, somewhere. Um, <laughs> sorry, bro. <laughs> Throw that shit out. <laughs> um, and, then, um, and then I went to my mate's house because I had to get black shoes for my brother's engagement. Yeah. So I went to get black, black shoes. This is like actually legit. Went to get shoes. Um, and just knowing my luck, police officer, DV van goes past my mate's house, which is in a quiet fucking side street. They go past and it's the female that was there on that night. So not the guy who bashed me, the female. So why are she's they like, looking and for then you? They... Did you skip bail? Well, me being in the area. Oh, okay, of course. Of, yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah. It's not bail conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they used to like, they, yeah, they were a bit like, these guys were, you know, they were probably bored or something, you know. Yeah. Missing me. <laughs> um, so they, um, yeah, she said, aren't you out on bail? And I said, you know, well, she knew anyway. And she's like, get in, get in. Like, you've you've broken your bail, get in. And I'm like, I'm, I've got my brother's engagement oh, literally man. in fucking three, in three hours. And she's like, get in the fucking thing. I'm like, oh. I've got black shoes in my hand. Like, I've got my brother's engagement. She's like, get in. So I went in um, and then they called. I went to the police station and then they called like the bail of justice or whatever the yeah, fuck yeah. it's called. Um, and I remember just looking at the time going, fuck, I'm, I'm like my brother, like my family don't even know where the fuck I am. Yeah. Like, what the hell? And, um, the bail of justice came in and he had all his papers and he's just like, why should I, you know, why should I, you know, give you bail? Like you, you've just broken all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I'm actually legitimately not lying, you know? Mm. Um, and then he said, well, have you got someone to vouch? Um, so they called my old man up. Um, and I only found out after what my old man said to him. He's like, "Look, my old man said this to the guy. He's like, look, um, we're at a very, we're at a, my my son's engagement. We've got family from Mauritius here. All the, all his cousins, all his family's here. I'm sure you're a father. You know what it's like. You got your kids. This is something that's really big. Um, and Glenn's the only one that's not here. Mm. Um, so then I was exempt from that little whatever the hell you know you call that." Breach, um, bail breach. Yeah. Mm. So then, um, so that I've kind of, you know, that went off and then, um, yeah. So then I, um, had court in June. So this was still like early year, um, cause everything happened in January. Um, so I had court in June and then all my summons, all my charges, you know, I had reckless cause injury. I had a fray. I had like all these f- fucking bullshit charges, like, mm. you know, a, f- a phrase like pretty hardcore, reckless cause injury, assault, yeah, drug so trafficking, assault drug police. use. Like, yeah. yeah. That's pretty bad. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden I was just smashed with all these um, convictions mm. um, that, I, that I didn't really understand, like, the seriousness of it. Like, I just thought, oh, yeah, okay. Um, you know, like legitimately, I didn't even know what a fray was, didn't really understand what reckless cause injury was. You know, I knew assaulting, assaulting and resisting arrest was, 
you know, it's police, that's pretty shit. And drug trafficking is shit because no matter the quantity as well, like drug trafficking is still drug trafficking. Um, you know, so that that one's pretty shit. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I was out on bail. Um, and then with that happening, I was like, fuck, I need to change my life. Um, I really need to change my life. I need to get my life on track. So I was like, fucking hell, like I've got caught in June, mm. I've got six months to fucking do something. I can't just rock up to the court and be like, yeah, I sell drugs. That's what I do. Give me a second chance. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I need to get my life on track. So, yeah, man. So I just started like, I guess, you know, looking up things and looking at things that I used to like doing and trying to just rediscover like who the fuck I was as a person. Mm. Like, I lost myself so much to the drugs and mm. that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I'd lost who I was as a person. Yeah. Um, and I remember just kind of just going, fuck, what do I like? Who am I? And all this sort of stuff. And the thing that came to memory was, you know, as a kid, I was, you know, athletics used to sprint heaps and fucking kill it yeah. in that. I had Victorian records and all that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess that's why I thought I was fast yeah. when I was running away from the cop. <laughs> yeah, you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so, you know, I was like, I came across personal training course. Um, I'm like, fuck. You know, this looks all right. It's training people. It's still it's similar to what I like doing. Mm. Um, I was still very nervous because I was like, fuck, I'm overweight. I'm still, you know, still using drugs. I haven't fully stopped. And I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. It's, it's time to change. It's time yeah. to grow up and fucking get you know, on yeah. track. So, um, yeah, man, I enrolled to personal training. Um, and then the first six months of my personal training, you know, I had to go live with my mums because the bail conditions, yeah, mm. banned from Mulgrave, old yep. man lived in Mulgrave, yep. so I had to go live with my mum. Um, and it was really just about like fucking just training, like, you know, training really hard in the gym, studying my cert three in fitness um, at the time, um, just getting fit, getting off the drugs, um, just really just getting strong mentally, physically, emotionally, all that shit. Was any of that... Were you thinking, were you prepping for prison as well? Well, I didn't, I didn't know. So, so what happened? So after I'd sort of like got off the drugs and all that sort of stuff, I was like, fuck, I've done so good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah. So then when I went to court um, in June, um, I, I remember like literally because, you know, my mum was like freaking out all the time. Where are you going? What time to be home? Like, oh, that's shit. right. You weren't that, telling her, were you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't know nothing. So I, I told her, I'm like, oh, mum, I got a job interview yeah, for the gym. Right. And she's like, I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like rocking a suit and a tie and shit. She had no clue. If you, if you think of that, like, fuck, no one's going for a job interview at the gym with a suit on. <laughs> um so yeah, bro. I, I went to I went to court, met up with my lawyer and all that sort of stuff. Gave him my uh, my character references, which I was really happy of because I'm like, fuck, man, I'm like, I'm good, you know. I was I was yeah. flying high a little bit, like, yeah. fuck, is, life's all good, all that. Um, anyway, I, I went to the court, um, and when I went to court, the magistrate's court, um, all of a sudden, you know, the police officer that I had that fight with walks in. Oh like, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I'm like that. Fucker, there he is. And then anyway, he walks in and, and they start talking about what happened on the night. And he's like, you know, Mr. Munso was, you know, found with drugs. Um, you know, he was obviously selling and he was really, really aggressive and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, just painting this picture that I was just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it didn't sound like me, yeah, because mm. obviously, you know, Yeah, yeah. Looking back on yourself, you're like, that's not me now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
So anyway, so the judge gets up and she's like, stand up. Really angry, you know. There was a lot of stuff in the media at that time about uh, violence and yeah. police, like people hitting police and yeah. fights in the city. I remember it was like it was very big at that moment. I remember seeing it on the news all the time, like mm. fights in the city, like cops getting hit or bottled and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was like a big thing at that moment. Um, anyway, she's like, get up. And she's like, these are very, very serious charges. Um, the fact that you've assaulted a police officer, um, you know, you've got a frame, reckless cause injury. These are very, very serious and you're selling drugs and all this sort of stuff. And then she just said, oh, I'm sending you to, to six months imprisonment with five months to be served into the community. So I had like fucking, I had no idea what that, like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, I didn't know what she was talking about. Then, yeah, man, next minute, I, I literally turn around and these two police officers like come with us. I'm like, where are we going? They're like, cut, like, cut. can you say community? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, community, okay. Well, she did, you know, because I was thinking, like, you know, they're going to say jail, you know, shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm like, what? And then they're like, yeah, you like, you got to come with me. So they handcuffed me, um, took me at the back, um, chucked me in one of the cells. And then, yeah, man, I was just, you know, they, you know, they strip search all that sort of stuff and they put in the cells. And then yeah. I remember just sitting in there. You know, you're hearing people screaming. Oh, man, and fucking, horrible, isn't it? Yeah, carrying on. You see people walking up and down in their cells, just, you know, in that little yeah. short space, just up and down. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, where the, like, where the fuck? Like, where am I? Yeah. Where am I? Like, what the fuck? It's surreal. Um, yeah, man. So that was pretty intense. So I remember just sitting in that, just thinking, like, what the hell is going to happen? Like, what's going to go on? You know, what's going to happen? What's happening? Uh, um, so... You know, I guess that was something that was um, a massive wake-up call for myself anyway. Mm. Um, but anyway, I guess, you know, long story short, I um, I got I got granted bail, which, you know, at the time I didn't even know if I could get bail. You know, that's how, you know, that's how new all this was to me. Didn't know I could get bail, didn't know what the hell was just being read for all I knew I was like I was literally just going to jail now. Yeah. Um so yeah I got out on bail um and you know the judge gave me the option of you you could serve your one month prison sentence in 30 days. So you got 30 days to hand yourself in okay. and do your sentence. But once that 30 days expires you've like you could be going to the county courts. But when you go to the county courts you could be looking at doing like a six months in prison yeah, right. sentence or like three months, but it would definitely be more, it could be harsher because um, it's a different court system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was just like, nah, I'm doing I'm doing good. Um, I'm getting my life on track. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to throw away all the hard work I kind of put in and I was just like, yeah, just get me out of here. I'll just take the risk. So you did 30 um, days? Nah, so I, I got out. Yeah. Um, I got out that day. Uh, went out. So I was out on bail. Um, and what I did, I finished my. So once the thirty days expired, um, the county courts was in December. Yeah. So I had another kind of like six months. So yeah. I did my in that time. I did my cert four, yeah. um, cert four and fitness got fit, got strong. Then when I went back to the county courts in December. Um, I was a fully qualified personal trainer now. Yeah. So I was fit, I was healthy, no longer using drugs, all that sort of shit. Um, and I was like, fuck, like, 
I, I, I like I'm I'm ready to sort of like, you know, get this over and done with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember when you, when you went to the county courts, it's a fucking it's different, man. Like, mm. you know, these these people they got wigs on and shit. Yeah. There's like more <laughs> more people in there. Like, it's a lot more serious. Um, Very. Anyway, that yeah. And so that one was a that was in the city, and I was like, fuck, if I get the one month, I could be there in Christmas. If you know, because it's December, you know, if it's three months, fuck, I'll be there for my birthday. My birthday's in February. I'm like, shit, like, what the fuck? Um, but anyway, so we were there for probably two and a half hours. My case went for going back and forth, you know. Um, you know, they're like, oh, but it's his first time offending, but he's a solid police officer, yeah. uh, but he's only 21, but he, you know, he's, he's violent, all this sort of stuff is going back and forth, back and forth. I'm just like, fuck, what, like, what the hell is going to go on? Um, and then the judge uh, sentenced me to an 18-month intensive corrections order, so an ICO, yeah. um, where I had to uh, sign in twice a week with my corrections officer, yeah. uh, community work twice a week. Um, then I had, like, anger management. Um, yeah. What is it? Like, drug... Um, like drug and Like a drug course thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Um, and then I had to check in. So I had to do the sign-ins as well as check in and have meetings with my corrections officer as well. And piss so, test as well? Drug testing? Uh, nah, nah, nah. I didn't have any drug tests. But, um, but yeah, so that went for 18 months. Jesus. I remember, man, literally I was the only fucking person like was there to the end. I remember people like I did community work with people with the arm robbery, all that sort of stuff. And they're like, bro, who did you kill? Like, fuck, you've been here forever. <laughs> uh, you know, because I got like over 500 hours. Jesus, um, that's hectic, man. Yeah, man. So there were times where people were just like, fucking, you're an idiot. Why didn't you just do the, the one month? Days, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck are you tripping on? Um, that's a lot, yeah, And man. I was just, yeah. I know like, that- still now. I know that feeling. Um, um, sorry, there's a bit of a delay. I know that feeling. I, I I was in trouble once, and um, I did something pretty bad. And standing in the dock, I was in there with my best mate, and they the judge goes, and you know it's all a bit, it's all a bit overwhelming. It just happens, and you you sort of, you mm. you're freaking out. You're scared. You you don't know what's going on. And the judge she goes, all right, so you, you know, she said to my mate, sentence you first. He goes, I give you twelve months with eight on the Fuck. bottom, and she goes, and you, because I was the main offender, she goes, I'll give you 18 months prison and um, 12 months on the bottom. And I just fucking went, nah, fuck, man. I got a little girl. Fuck, I can't, yeah. do, I can't do this, man. Like, I, I'm not, I'm too old to do jail now, man. Rah, rah. And then she turned around, she goes, but I'm going to suspend your sentence. And I'm like, Fuck. Oh man, like, <laughs> don't, yeah, months, don't play games. Yeah, like don't that. fuck with me. And I think that's what she wanted to do. And it was like, I think she took, she took into account what my charge was. It was, you know, I guess, I'll, no, no need to really talk about it on here. But I was protecting a woman. I was protecting my mom, and and I said to her, "Do you have children?" She goes, "Yeah." I said, "Do you have sons?" And she goes, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, that's all I've got to say," you know. And uh, but yeah. but that still follows me around, man. To this day, the work I do when I try and get clearance to work with kids or people with disabilities, yeah. I gotta fucking write letters. What did you do? Yeah. What's what's this charge here mean? Because it was because yeah, the first one was attempted murder and like uh, home invasion and attempted murder, and then they dropped it back down. But it still doesn't look good on paper, man. 
And mm. I tell kids I yeah. work with, I said, this will follow you around. Like, don't fuck up now. It'll follow you around. Yeah. You try and get insurance on your car. You try and insure your house and it's, mm. there, it's there. It's everywhere, man. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's fucked like that. Yeah, well, I, I still, well, those charges are still on yeah, my yeah, conviction. You know, so permanent record. Yeah, yeah. So there's chat. Yeah, so assaulting, affray, records cause injury, trafficking, drug use. They're still on my record. So <laughs> just looking um, back, you're lucky, Melbourne coppers. You were lucky yeah. not to get shot, man. Seriously, because oh, they're, they're infamous <laughs> for shooting people, man. Like <laughs> I know, I, I, I'm fucking like I don't. I'm lucky I didn't actually go to jail. And I'm lucky I didn't get fucking shot. Yeah. I'm just lucky in so many like. Yeah, man. It's just um, but yeah, those charges they just fucking they're shit, man. Like even I went to go talk at a prison in January, uh, February, and um, recently, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this year, yeah. before the lockdown stuff at Ravenhall, and um, the lady had read my book. One of the coordinators there, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, I'm gonna get you in." Yep. And she's like, "Fill out the application." I go, "I've I've got some pretty serious charges." Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 it's all good. Um, and then she called, she called me and she's like, oh, you've been rejected. Um, you, you didn't get the clearance. But she's like, but I've read your books and you've helped my brother as well. Mm. Um, I'm actually, so she set up like another meeting and she was like, you need to have this guy here. Yeah. So again, I was so lucky. Like I actually, like I got cleared in the end. Mm. But um, yeah, just like you, man, you got to get all these letters. And oh, it follows you forever, follow. man. Done that. So then, so that's 2008, right? And just looking at the copyright, 2016, we'll just jump into this. So mm. people can't see it because it's only an audio podcast, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding a book called Drugs Don't Discriminate by Glenn Munso. So what's going on there? You've, you've decided, what? why have you written this book? And what was so, the process? Uh, so, why did you write it? Yeah, man. I guess, you know, I was, I started my program now, um, you know, and helping youth and young adults with drugs, um, you know, getting their life on track and all that sort of stuff. And so I was hang getting... on, so you started, you started the youth you before the book, like yeah. personal training. So, all right. So what, what's the process from being in trouble to what did, to, to the book? So from 2008 to 2016, obviously it took you some time yeah. to write the book. So then what did you do? So you started personal training yeah so yeah so i started personal training while while i was doing those fucking 500 and something hours (laughs) um i was um so i was a personal trainer now so i'd have like a few clients i'd drive to their houses i'd do like an hour in the morning and then go to community work have a few other clients um so at first i was just like hey guys i'm a personal trainer now if anyone's interested get me up yeah people bang 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 um it was good because it was like at a time where personal training was starting to get big. Yeah. I think like the biggest loser was like really popular. I don't know. Yeah, like right. it, was, it was getting kind of like a bit big. So everyone was sort of like getting into it. Yeah. It was like at the start of like all that. Um, so people were, you know, signing up and all that sort of stuff. So I was doing one-on-one um, training and then I started, um, you know, while I'm still doing my hours and all that sort of stuff. And then once I finished the order, I'm like, fuck it, I, I want to do some boot camps and stuff. So I did some group training at a park. Um, so I was doing mobile for a bit, driving people's houses or doing at local parks. Yeah. And then I started sort of like approaching people that were obese, I guess, like overweight, yeah. um, you know, that were in my situation. Um, and it was more about like, you know, the weight that you're holding is nothing about 
the fat or the weight. Yeah, it's, it's more about the emotional baggage that comes with that. So I was kind of hitting it from a different angle. You know, I'd, I'd use myself as an, as an example. Like me being 112 kilos wasn't just about food. Yeah, it was more about what was going on internally. You know, I was depressed, I was anxious, I was angry, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I started hitting an angle from that. So I had some really cool clients that, you know, lost like 30, 40 kilos and they're like, fuck, like, you know, you're an awesome PT. You're doing all the mindset stuff. They're like, yeah. fuck, like, you know, where does all this like, sometimes I'd be like, oh, what, what did you do before this? <laughs> and mm. I'll be like, oh, you know, I couldn't <laughs> tell myself, I was a drug dealer. Um, but, you know, I told a few clients my story and they're like, what, like, what the fuck? They were like really shocked. And I guess after telling more people my story, because at first I thought people would judge. I'm like, fuck, man, if they find out I'm a drug dealer, they're going to be like, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. So it was all my, like, my own limitations and stuff. So then I thought, fuck it. Like I really want to treat it like my personal training business um, in terms of, you know, I guess now I was doing like group classes, you know, I was doing it from home. I did group classes at home and then I got a factory. So once I got the factory, it was still just PT. Um, once I got the factory, I was like, fuck, I've got my own space now. Like how about I, you know, look at all the things that helped me mm. and form like a program, you know, where there's still exercise because exercise and all that sort of stuff was a significant part of me getting my life on track and getting clean and getting yep. healthy and fit. Yep. It was about respecting my body, all that sort of shit that, you know, exercise does for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it was outlet, community, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So people underestimate that, man. For sure, for sure. So I had a business coach at the time, and you know, we were talking about um, you know, how to do semi-private personal training sessions, how to do personal training groups, all that sort of stuff. And I said, look, this is my angle, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, and he's like, that's really, really cool. He's like, um, just market it the way because I was doing like fat loss, eight week fat loss programs. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get your mindset, get your training, all that sort of stuff. And I go, look, I want to do fucking twelve week fucking same thing program, but for people who are addicted on drugs. Yep. Um, and he was like, whoa, like, like that's that's a bit different. Like, where'd that fucking come from? Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, that's exactly what I needed and where I where I've come from. Yeah. yeah. So um, I started it with that. Um, I started. I did a free talk first he was like all right what are you going to do you're going to do a talk um get people to talk and then you're going to upsell your program like you would do with your personal training but you're upselling your youth you program so um i was like fuck it let's do it so again very very nervous sharing my story all that sort of stuff and people like were kind of like amazed like fuck like what the fuck i can't believe you know you've done this and then i was just like all right cool and then all of a sudden i had my little group i had a group of like maybe eight people yeah um and it was like writing them fitness plans, getting them in the gym, mixing with my other not like clients, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and had like a good community because not everyone was affiliated with the program. And then I started doing all the mindset stuff, started teaching all the stuff that I did and then just got fucking awesome results, bro. Like, yeah. you know, even p- parents were shocked. They're like, fuck, I've sent my kid to rehab. They've been in our rehab for like five, six, seven years. Yeah. Like, what the, f- like, what the fuck? Like, because at first I was a bit skeptical like who the fuck's this guy you don't have any real qualifications just the person like 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 you know who the fuck are you you know and i remember that asshole so what's your qualifications and what will you actually do with my kid yeah. and i'm just like well i've been exactly where they are and i can show them you know through my steps how to get out the other end i'm just yeah. teaching from yeah. example and what i've been through um 
And then the program just kicked off from there, bro. So, you know, people getting awesome results. And then I was like, fuck, this was mad. It was 12 weeks. And I was like, oh, let's do it again. Um, then, you know, started doing three months. And again, people getting results and the newspapers were getting involved. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. were hearing about it. There's like a, you know, guy doing this thing and heaps of people contacting me. Um, and then I was just like, fuck, people like, oh, bring your program down to Queensland. Bring it down yeah. to like here. Bring it down to here. And I'm like, fuck, how the fuck do I do that? <laughs> um, and then I got another business coach. I got put into this business coaching program and I came across a guy who was doing book writing retreats. So he was doing book writing retreats and stuff like that. And I remember just seeing that and I was like, fuck, that'd be fucking cool to write a book, mm. you know? Um, but I remember, you know, it was like $10,000 to like do it and you go away to you know, Stradbroke Island and you're there for the week and foods involved, accommodation, and they you write it and then they fucking do everything from editing to fucking, you know, book cover design, like everything, you know? Right. And, I was like, and I was like, fuck, you know, I was really big on hiring coaches because yeah. I was like, fuck, man, I've never even finished reading a book before. Yeah. How the fuck am I going to like, you know, get this done? So I was like, this guy's obviously helped so many people do it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, I really need to do it. And I guess what inspired me because people were like, you know, get your program here, get your program there. And I was like, fuck, I could write a book mm. that has parts of the program in there, but then also reflects back in a way that tells my story yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and you do that you know, well. And I just, <laughs> thanks for it. Yeah. Uh, and then I just thought like, okay, you know, I, I remember sitting down and I was just like, what were the main fucking things that got me off drugs? It got me to where I am. And then that's where I came up with my five fundamentals on how to overcome yeah. and recover from drug addiction. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was like, you know, the first one, you know, going back to your roots. So I think about like when I was lost and depressed and anxious, you know, how I discovered who I was as a person was going back to my roots, looking into the fitness, looking into the athletics and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Then the second one, you know, mindset. So it was like the mindset played a massive fucking role to get to where I was. And the third one was like exercising and nutrition. So if the exercising was more and the nutrition was more about self-respect, which then, you know, made me honor myself more, yep. you know, to yep. be in the situations that I want to go. Um, and then it was contribution and learning. So always learning um, from people. Um and learning myself, learning how to get there. And then it was just giving back. I was massive on like giving back, sharing yeah. a story yeah. and getting there. So that's what um, made me put the book together. And I guess that year when I wrote it too, my cousin passed away from ice. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you if you wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So he he contacted me, you know, while I was doing the program. I was like, cuz, like, I fucking love what you're doing. You know, I want to come down and, you know, do it and all that. Um and then so after he he passed away and you know, he got a bad batch of ice and he was on life support for a bit. Um, after that happened, I was like, fuck, it, it kind of gave me that little bit more of a push. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, I guess it motivated me because I didn't want other people to go through that. Yeah, man. And I guess I kind of felt a little bit responsible because, you know, I'd spoken to him and all that. And I'm like, fuck, like helping so many people. And my cousin just died and didn't even get to help him. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, man, I put my fucking heart and soul into that first book, The Drugs Don't Discriminate, and um, yeah, oh, yeah it, man. It, it shows, man, and thanks for sharing that because that's, that's obviously, you know, intensely personal. I know you do write about it. I was going to ask you if you if you called to talk about it, but um, 
Yeah, man, it's it's never good, and and I, I, it comes through. I remember, you know, reading it, and it's in there, and talking to you about it, and you're pretty passionate when you talk about that side of it, and um, it certainly shines through. Mm. So it's written at this retreat. That book, so the first book's written at yeah. the retreat, and so you, I've got here editing, publishing, just dis, editing, publishing, distribution. So they took care of all that, did they? So, so hang they, on a minute, yeah, on. Let's, let's go back a bit. Where the fuck are you getting 10 grand from? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, I just, I was like, put my head down. I'm selling pizza, pizza, personal training packages. I'm peace, fucking peace, saving. Peace. <laughs> PTs, PTs. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. And then, you know, it was I was on a payment plan, obviously. So, yeah. you know, I, I didn't put 10 grand up front. Yeah. But after that, but I did, I fucking marketed the fuck out of it and i got so many pre-sales like so many pre-sales well that's how and, um, i found you man paid for you it that's yeah. how i found so, you so yeah so um yeah. so going into it like it's very hands-on like for anyone who hasn't read it who hasn't read it and after this podcast you have to go out and buy it <laughs> um <laughs> even if you're not on drugs i think if everyone can Get a copy. I'm sure they know someone who who can read. It. And like like I told you, what I took out of it, I've I've been a user before. I don't I don't use anymore. I drink, but it's it's not a problem anymore. You know. So, but I mm. I've got a question here about. Remember when I asked you? I said, do you think it can relate to food? And you, you know. Yeah. But we'll get into that after. But what I loved about it is when people read it, it's really hands on, and there's sections. It's like a living document. So there's sections where people can like write in there. So it's like a textbook yeah. for lack of better words, you know. So is that your idea? Had you ever read a book like that or is that all your idea? Yeah, so th that was my idea because I was like, I didn't want people to just read it and go, oh, bro, I feel so inspired and then close the fucking book and then, yeah. you know, go back to the same bullshit. Yeah. I wanted I wanted interaction. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I was thinking of me, like I never finished reading the book. So I'm like, what would keep me interested in the book? As <laughs> if it was like talking to me and giving me shit to fucking do. And, you know? yeah. um, so it was essentially like just putting the program or bits of the program in a book that people could, you know, use as a tool to work on themselves. Mm. I was going to ask you if you, if you um, were a big reader. Because it's pretty well written, and another thing. I am now. Yeah, yeah, right. So another thing. Yeah, I am now. It's it's very like, I remember reading it, and I I reckon I smashed it in one session, man. Like, because it's almost yeah. like this now. It's almost like you're talking because you you swear, you, you're not like oh Walter came out of the fucking <laughs> sunburn. You know, it's all like fuck this, fuck that. You know, fuck relapse. Who gives a fuck? You know, you you're very like. Straight to the point, and I guess the the target you're trying to reach is drug users, so they don't want to hear, uh, mm. yeah, they don't want to be fucking beating around the bush. They want to hear it how it is too. So that that was yeah. that was yeah. pretty clever. So you, did you ever think you ever think you would be a best selling author? Or? Nah, no way, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Uh, uh, I was uh, like uh, fucking yeah. I I remember you know. Because even when I went to the book retreat and all that sort of stuff, like, you know, th these guys were, I guess, smarter, you know. And I was just like, you know, they're probably looking at me like, fuck, 
fuck, who's this guy? Like, the fuck's he writing about? Like, is that the you know, weed dealer? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is more of like a business, you know, writing sort of thing. But, um, yeah, right. yeah, man, fucking never, never in a million years I would have thought that the book would have been a bestseller or, would, or like the book would have got me to, like, you know, to do book tours and fucking speak yeah. at prisons and rehab centres yeah. and fucking schools and, you know, the book tour was, like, massive. I was, like, at the airport, like, every fucking second week for, like, good mm. six, eight months. Um, you know, so I was just tripping on that, like, oh. I reckon it should be given to... If you go in, in if you go into prison and you got a drug problem, you should have to read the book. You should get... It should be part of your program. Like, it's... And, mm. man, that's a good marketing scheme to have that going. Yeah. And schools, like, I know we did try and tee up some youth work over back in Adelaide, but it never really happened, but... um. Oh well, shit happens. <laughs> so, are you? Is this? Have you quit your day job to to do this? Well, well, your day job's the gym, isn't it? Yeah. So I, n- I never really, I, I I never went. <laughs> I never really worked. You know, like I went straight from fucking. So I went from like literally, I went straight from like selling drugs to getting my personal training thing, yeah. and then just working for myself. So, for me, it was like this is it, and this is like you know. They fucking make it happen. Yeah, yeah, like make it happen. Like, you know, um, if you, you know, like I said, if I'm not financially in the position that I want to be in, it's a reflection of how many people am I helping. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, so cool. I'm yeah. like, so if, if I'm not happy with, you know, my financial situation means that I'm not stepping up and helping enough people. Um, Put some pressure on yourself, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> So I yeah, so that's what I kind of just yeah, that's that's what yeah, that's what my job my job is, I guess. Uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. So, how many copies have you sold? Or you don't so, want to say drugs? <laughs> no, no. So drugs not discriminate. It's like sold over five thousand copies, yo, man. That's so, hard, hard copies. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that was just massive because when we had. So when we had, you know, which obviously helped pay for that retreat, <laughs> um, but, you know, but, but when we had like, you know, at first, like it was kind of like, what do you call it? Like, I guess, pre-sale and funding yeah. for it. It's just like, you know, how can I raise so much so I could donate big chunks to schools and stuff like that. So, you know, to, I remember reading somewhere, you know, this person just got their book and, you know, they hit big companies where they would sell the books at kind of like a cost price sort of thing yeah. to, to make like a big order so you can really distribute them and help them sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I did a lot of stuff like that at the start. Um, but, yeah, man, so, yeah, with this one, yeah, it's, um, yeah, over 5,000 copies now, which is good, um, which I'm, yeah, which I'm really, like it still trips me out because I guess, yeah. you know, when, when I get those messages and shit like that, I'm still yeah. like, oh, what the fuck? Like, Because I haven't, like, it's sort of like I'm kind of like, you know, you do it, bang, that's it. And then it's I remember, trickling. yeah, man, like last last year we did a workshop and I was like, oh, I should just do this workshop on my book. And then I remember like it was like the first time I've read it like in like ages since mm. like we did all the editing and all that. So it's just still, yeah, it just it just trips me out, man, to be honest. Yeah, I've been flicking through it this, this week leading up to, you know, that we're going to do this and I took, the second one to work last night and I was flicking through it, you know, and it's like, mm. it, it's, it covers, it sort of oh, into, into locks, uh, into weaves, doesn't it? You know, the second one. Yeah. So we'll, let, we'll talk about that then. So you've written a second one. 
So it's yeah. follower. I I quit drugs. Now what? So I mean, yeah, the, the, title, so, the title almost explains itself. But can you talk about why you wrote the second one? Yeah, bro. So, um, so yeah, I was doing all this mad touring and stuff like that for six eight months. So while I was touring, I met a, like a lot of people come up to me and be like, bro, I love your book. Mm. You know, I don't know, my name's my name's James. I'm a drug addict straight away. Yeah, cool. And, I, and I, I remember. Cool, yeah, so I, I remember just tripping out a little bit because every time I was meeting people, they were introducing themselves as a drug addict, and I and I, and I just thought to myself, I was like, what, the, like, what, like, what's this lingo sort of thing? Because like when I was using drugs, I never, ever, ever, ever called myself a drug addict, nah. ever. Um, and the people that I was around, like, no one goes, oh yeah, I'm a drug addict or whatever. Yeah. So I just thought it was really interesting. So anyway, after that kind of happened, I was kind of looking at the people that got their life on tracks and the one that kind of kept falling in that sort of pattern. And I was like, does it have to do with the identity of like when people mm. hold on to the label drug addict? And that's because there relaxing. was people. Yeah. Cause I'm like, is that just like a fallback sort of like thing to fall back on? Yeah. Like, yeah this is what happens because I am a drug addict or no, nah, I don't do that because I am a drug addict. An excuse. Or, nah. Yeah. So, you know, or a limitation that you've yeah. kind of like built up in your head. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, that was just very, very interesting. So I started just like, you know, I guess, you know, when I met people, the ones that had done really good detached from that label, Yeah. you know, then they no longer identify themselves as drug addicts. And I was thinking about myself, I was thinking about the people on my program, like no one really was like, oh, I'm a drug addict, da, 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 da. So I remember just thinking, so, you know, so if you're using drugs, you're a drug addict. And if you're not using drugs, you're, you call yourself a drug addict. So like, okay, so when do we call ourselves, like, so when aren't we a drug addict? Or do we, I mean that label to, altogether. Yeah, or am I still supposed to call myself a drug addict even though I'm not using drugs? It's been 20 years now, 30 years. Am I still supposed to do that? Like if, if a little, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that was just interesting. So I was doing a lot of identity work mm. uh, on myself and, you know, with the people that I worked with. Um, so that kind of like led me down that path. I was like, fuck, we need to remove labels, you know, and let go of that because you're more than that attachment or that limitation. Yeah. And I remember I had a client who relapsed and she was just like, now this is what happens because I'm a drug addict. Yeah. And I just thought, what the fuck? I've never heard you say that before. Like all of a sudden when shit's bad, you're a drug addict. When shit's good, you, you're not. So, um, so that's what kind of just made me, you know, really look and write the second book. I wrote the second book on my own. I wrote that in like three days. Fuck, really? <laughs> I was lit- That's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I was just <laughs> like, like fucking it's just. Look. It's like a hundred and something pages. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of blank pages at yeah. the end. <laughs> <laughs> Make it full. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's activities in there as well, but it's all about identity stuff. So working mm. on yourself and your identity and living to an identity that serves the purpose and the life that you're now living. Yeah. Um, so what yeah, are so your really thoughts on the term, I'm an ex-drug addict, people saying that? Because I I used to smoke, so I go, I'm an, I'm an ex-smoker, cigarettes, and I fucking hate cigarettes. And I know as in, deep inside me I'll never smoke a cigarette ever again. And I say, yeah. I'm an ex-smoker. So what's your thoughts on that terminology, I'm an ex-drug addict? So do you just say that? So like the people that I'm talking about would just say it just to fucking anyone they would meet. Anyone they would uh, meet. Okay. Yeah, right. So 
you know, I just think obviously like if you're talking to me and I'm smoking, you're like, yeah, yeah I was an ex smoker. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. But you, you're not going to just fucking meet your next door neighbor and be like, Hey man, you know, yeah. and just say that in the first sentence. Some form of identity or something. Mm. Yeah, bro. Mm. Yeah, man. So that's, that's what, that's why I'm sort of like big on that. Cause I'm like, you're more, in that fucking label and it just used to do my head in and then yeah. I was looking into the whole going to be a little bit controversial here you know I was getting people that were coming to my program from NA and shit like that yeah. and um, you know hi my name's this I'm a drug addict Yeah. you know yeah. and I was just like you know I, I was just like I think you're more than that to be honest man like I, I think you're more than that and yeah. when, when, when do we stop saying that like when do we stop saying I am a drug addict because if we're looking at affirmations and reprogramming the mindset and all that sort of stuff if you're going i am a drug addict telling every single time you meet someone yeah yeah and your beliefs is just a thought over and over and over and over and over again so if you keep saying that you keep hearing that then you're going to believe that when you believe that you're going to act it and be it and all that sort of stuff um so yeah just being on mindset stuff and i just think that's something that people need to let go of if they're no longer using drugs anymore, because you're if you like if you haven't used drugs in like fucking five years, ten years, you're no longer a drug addict yeah. because you're not using drugs anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's a funny thing to hold on to, isn't it? Like that. Yeah. I I say I used to use, or you know, if if it, yeah, com- yeah. If it comes up, I say yeah, I used to use, or yeah, I've I've taken drugs. You know, I don't go around sharing, yeah, me too. sharing it. You know, like yeah, I, I think the way I look, people might assume with you know tats and how I, how I talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. by no means do I ever go, oh, man, I, I used to be a junkie. Like, it's, it's no badge of yeah. honour for me at all, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Quite, quite, quite the opposite. So, yeah. um, with, so what was I going to say? Um, so do you, did you research, so you've written the first one, did you research for the second one a, a little bit more? Yeah, so there were bits um, that I did research and I started like just I just getting more fascinated with, you know, uh, drug addiction and the mental mind space and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, you know, doing lots of podcasts and um, like listening to lots of podcasts, listening to courses and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I'm always constantly studying, especially when I'm doing the mentoring and I, yeah. I want to teach these guys things that I've learned. But then I also want to research and look at other mindset stuff as well. So I'm always constantly, I guess, researching and learning and all that sort of stuff because essentially like you could say my program is a long-term case study that I'm always like, you know, evolving and learning from as well. The people that come in, the the different experiences, the different personality types, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, But yeah, the second one, I definitely, um, I guess you could say I learned a lot more stuff Mm. Um, and I definitely noticed more patterns and read, like started reading a little bit more and all that sort of stuff. Um, Mm. Yeah. It'd be interesting at the end to see if you want to share some authors' names or some some stuff like that. So I, I just wanted, I've got a question written here about like when I met you in person, how I attended one of your seminars. <laughs> 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 and we met the Minister of Child Protection. <laughs> but um, there's a funny photo. I might put it up on the Instagram page. Um, but talking about how... I, I, I asked you that question. We touched on it earlier about how do you think addictions are parallel and the, do the techniques that you use for addiction, like, you know, if can it, can the, the techniques that you provide be
be used for like mm-hmm. sex addiction and, and drugs. And look, there's even Facebook ones now and stuff like that. So if people, do you believe addiction is addiction or do you think drugs is a different kettle of fish? Nah, so at the end of the day, it's the the tools and the the process that we're using is how can we reconnect back to who we are or how can we consciously ground ourselves and be aware of our actions and what we're doing as well. Because, you know, all these things, you know, in terms of like, you know, addiction and, um, you know, drinking, smoking, whatever it is, it's an escape. So you're escaping, mm-hmm. you know, emotions, you're escaping yourself, you're escaping something essentially, um, whether that's trauma, um, you know, being seen, whatever it is. Yeah. So essentially, you know, all these sort of things is, you know, it turns into, I guess, an unconscious pattern. Um, so it's more about looking at our patterns um, of, I guess, destruction, you know, and why we're sort of like doing these sort of things and also looking at parts of ourselves that need more attention, that need more healing, that need more love in order for us to step over to that next stage as well. Because essentially if you're like respecting yourself or you have that respect for yourself where you've healed Mm. um, those those traumas or those things that you've actually gone through, um, then you're present in your life or you're present in your body, you're present of your your shame, your guilt or whatever it is, you're aware of that and you've done the internal work on the patterns that happen um, because it's all kind of, I guess, destructive in a way. That's hardcore. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) It just resonates with me, man, because, you know, I've I've been there, you know, and um, I I wish that there was stuff like this when I was around. I I just said... I'm having a kid. I, and I, I, when I read your books, I, I remember thinking, how did I quit? Like, what did I do? Mm. I just I had a baby on the way. I got to quit. That's that. And yeah. with both my kids, like my daughter's 21 now and my son's seven. But when my missus was pregnant with my son, I was getting pissed yeah. every night and getting stoned every night. And I don't, even, I don't even know why. I think I was anxious about becoming a father again. And she's like, if you fucking keep, you better not be keeping this up when he's born, rah, 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 rah. And I'm like, nah, I promise you, when, once he gets here, I said, even a month before I'll stop, I'll stop, I can do it. And she's like, you fucking, you're getting on it, you're getting on it. And I'm like, I'll stop, I'll stop. And I just did, boom, that's it. And yeah. I, I stopped smoking, stopped drinking. And I said, I, I just need to get it out of my system. So, and you, you know, and I've got traumas, I've got anxieties and stuff like that. So, and I do believe that when I do get written off, get pissed that it's it's covering something but um at the same time i'll have a quiet beer nowadays i just drink a light beer i can't deal with the hangovers for starters but uh, (laughs) but um but you're not but you're not like distracting your 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 life you're not unconsciously like fucking it up no no because i know i've got too much to live for and i know i've got people looking up to me like my my kids i'm and my I'm a grandfather now, so I don't want to hurt. <laughs> yeah, old kind of. OG, OG. <laughs> so I would, I would hate for my kid to see me like on the ground, paro, like, oh, fucking gay dad, you know. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I could, I perish the thought of that. But um, yeah, you know, and that so could, yeah, go go. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So like, just just with that, it it brings you purpose, and yeah. you know, with the purpose, you know, like they say, like love heals all. It's like yeah. accepting all parts of yourself, but letting love in to heal those parts of yourself mm. that weren't healed. So you had to distract yourself 
But when you're fully connected to who you are, so even having a kid, like, you know, it teaches you things and lets you, lets love in. It heals parts of yourselves, you know, because you, you, you want to be that example, all that sort of stuff. So why would you need to escape if you're fully connected and real and authentic with your soul? Yeah, so that's so true, man. Guys, you put that on a T-shirt, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another one here. So would you ever use drugs again? I don't, I don't, I don't see the need for it. No, I don't. Yeah. Do you drink? That's not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. You I don't. don't, I don't, you don't drink. drink. Yeah. I, I'm on the water. <laughs> I'm having a quiet little mid-strength. <laughs> but um, yeah. look, um, no, I, I don't drink. Um, you know. Yeah, I can't even remember the last time I drank. To be honest, it just, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's not, I'm not scared of it. It's not like, oh, you know, I can't drink because fucking I'll go haywire or whatever. I just... Yeah. It's just not you. I just, yeah, right. I just don't. Like, I and, don't know. And Maybe, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Not even a sneaky toot at a wedding? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so even, even, even with that, I've been around it recently. You know, I've been places and, and the racks come out and I've just gone, I've, and for the first time in a long time, I, it was almost like when I see cocaine, I'm like, I feel obligated to be in there. And like, oh, it's, it's still cool. It's still cool. But the last time I saw it, I'm like, eh, eh. Yeah. You know, like, i got shit to do in the morning. And I know it's going to affect me till fucking Tuesday. I'm going to have the fucking mm. ecky blues. Nah, nah, not having it. And I was really fucking proud of myself, you know, like even even though I, yeah. I don't use, if it's around, I'm sort of, mm. it's it's a funny one for me. It's, I guess it's like people who go, I had a few drinks, so I had a cigarette. And I'm like, but fuck, how can you do that? It'd, it'd make you sick. I'm like that if I see Coke around, you know, I'm like, if, if I'm having a few drinks with the boys and it comes out, we're at a wedding or something like that. Hey, Beach, you want to? Yeah, fuck yeah, I do. And then it's, yeah. a, it's a slippery slope. Drugs are a slippery yeah. slope, so, but, um, so, but, and I guess going back to the grounding, nah, I got things to do in the morning, I got, got my kid, you know, yeah, and you got purpose training, I think, like, even with, even, what, like you're saying, with the exercise, with the food, like, when I met you, I was told you I was having a bit of trouble with eating shit and stuff like that, now I'm back at Muay Thai, mm. during the day, it's like, I can't have a beer at one o'clock. And and eat yeah. and eat bread at two o'clock because I need to I need to drink water and eat light because I got to be at Muay Thai. Yeah, or else you're chucking all over the floor. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> fucked. And and I've got like so I've got teammates there that rely on me. I've got a coach that relies on me. I'm doing the Muay Thai with my son. He relies on me. You know, so we've yeah. we've got like you say we've got purpose. You know, and so um, and you got connection and everything there. So why why would you? Yeah. So what's What's next, mate? You got another book in you? Kids book? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um No, I, I, I do, man. Like I do there's so at the moment I'm actually working on reformatting my first book. So there's drugs don't discriminate. I just want to change the outlay of how it looks inside. Yeah. Um so I'm working on that. Yeah. Um to to make it more, I guess, you know, I've got to keep up with all the Instagram and the yeah. socials, just making it a bit more um, nicer looking in terms of that. Um, Audio book. and yeah, man, I, I gotta. I think you were supposed to hook me up with that. Get you, get you down in your studio. <laughs> I could do my radio voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I 
you know, a lot of people have said that, man. I definitely got to get into that audio book of the first one. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I want to do. There's two. There's two books. I, I really want to do. You know, I, I don't know when they'll come out. I, I want to do one where I've interviewed all the people that come through my program. So yeah. you choose like the top top ten people. Yeah. Um. So That's they get to share idea, their man. story. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, um, I've started that. I've probably done like three chapters with you know three three people. They they say their stories. And then I kind of, I've, I've put like a little bit of a cool spin on it. Like, so one young lady came in and she was on drugs. Um, so she would have been like 20 and she had like a young kid. Yeah. And, you know, and I was just sort of saying like, you know, my initial thoughts is just like, how the fuck can you be on drugs when, when you've got a kid? Yeah. But after work, working with her, bro, like she's like the best mum ever. Like yeah. the kid used to come train with us all when we're doing mentoring, sets out the lunches and all yeah. that. You know, like really, really awesome. But it changed my perception on that. You know, she was a fucking awesome mum, you know, who who had to obviously work things on herself. Yeah. And then while while she was working on things on herself as well, you know, she she's done so good. Like she's married now. She's got a couple more kids, all that sort of stuff. Um but it's just sort of like giving people that different perception of different backgrounds, all that sort of stuff, and how people have sort of like worked hard on themselves and mm. got to where they are right now. So I kind of want to do that one um, and then do another book more because I, I, I feel like, you know, I've probably got smarter now. Like I've got more information to share. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I feel like, you know, after working and doing this more and reading more, um, you know, studying more, that sort of stuff, I have a lot more information in terms of like, you know, healing trauma and breath work and, yeah. you know, patterns and unconscious behaviours and conscious behaviours and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I kind of want to um, maybe do a book that, you know, that touches more on that. Um, and with that, I have one, so many with that one sort of standalone on its own and you wouldn't need to read the first ones. Or you, you, you yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm yeah, hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that one stand on. Yeah. So you, the other, the other week I shared a post just a bit haphazardly. <laughs> um, so you're doing the um, the the mindset, the mindset thing. What's that about? Can you tell us about that? And can you tell us about the gym as well? Because you've got a gym as as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got my gym. Um, so it's like a factory. So we've decked it out. It's all yeah. gym. You got your weights and whatnot. Um, yeah, man. So I, I do personal training there. I do group classes there. Um, I've got another trainer there, Chris. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then we run the classes there. So guys on my program um, train there, and, and we've got the classes. We've got like boxing. We've got like strength and conditioning classes. You know all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we've got like you know just strength classes if you know people want to put on size and whatnot. Um, yeah, so we've got all that sort of stuff in there. And then, yeah, in the mentoring, man, it's just really, I guess, I don't really go week one, week two, week three sort of thing. I kind of just go, I guess, maybe off my gut instinct, you could say, yeah. what I feel the group needs yeah. in that moment. Um, and then we just kind of kick it from there, man. Yeah. So do, uh, you know, I've added meditation in there, stillness, yeah, you know, stillness especially for, for like, I've, yeah, I've been so. reading this. Oh yeah. Have you read that? Uh, yeah. Ryan Holiday. No, not yet. Ryan Holiday, Stillness is the key. Man, he's a, mm. he's an intelligent author too. I've been smashing books lately. Um just yeah. just going back to the gym. So do people have to be 
What what's the criteria to get in? Because I know you only have a certain amount. Don't you? it's not like fucking anytime fitness. You join up, and you, it's not a cash making thing for you, is it? It's you want you. you there's a criteria. Am I, am I correct? Like to get in. So, so the gym is just. Um, so it's a personal training private studio. So meaning that we have our members and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've had people, you know, who've been with me for ages and they do the classes and the personal training and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're always there. And then I have my program as well, which you could say is like a side thing, but then mixes all together when, when everyone's training to go out. So if I'm running a class, you get some people from the youth program. You might get some people that are do one-on-ones with or people that do the group classes. Yeah. Um, but it's it's either classes, semi-private personal training, um, but yeah, there's all there's always a trainer there to guide you. So it's not like any type fitness. You come in, yeah, no yeah. one knows who you are. Fucking, yeah. you know, they're doing shit that they don't even know what they're doing. It's yeah. structured. So if someone is listening now and they mm. are in Melbourne, <laughs> they'd be wouldn't be doing much. But let, <laughs> yeah. let's say there's and no lockdown. there's no COVID and they've heard this and they're like, fuck, this is what I need. Can they just contact you and, and do they have to be actively using to begin your program or, or on the way to getting clean or can they just say, what's what's the criteria for you to take right. someone on? So the, so what I do first, um, I'll have a meeting with them. Yeah. So if someone's parent calls on behalf of them, I'll always be like, get them to call me. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, so I'll, yeah, I'll have the meeting first. Um, and then I'll see if it's going to be a perfect fit because it's got to, it's got to work for both of us because we're working together. Yeah? yeah. So if I get someone that I'm not really vibing with in terms of, I don't want to be here. My mum just forced me type of fucking person. Mm. Then it's, it's not really going to work. Um, because obviously, you know, I explain the values and what the program is and what I expect and the standards of what I hold for this for my environment, essentially, because yeah. now you're stepping into my place, my environment, yeah, fair um, which is, you know, which all comes down to, I guess, respect and then, but just also like how I can help that person, you know, because if I just let anyone in, then I'm not really respecting the group. I'm not yeah. respecting my environment. I'm not, it's, it's not going to work. So I'm um, just having that meeting and just be like, you know, because for instance, like, you know, I've had people go, yeah, but I, but I don't do gym. I don't do gym. But I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's an important, significant part of the program. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to. Um, So, you know, that (laughs) sort of stuff. So, (laughs) you have to, you have to. (laughs) Fucking oath, bro. The the body was designed to move. So, you know, Um, I'm I'm not saying you have to be some hardcore, like, crazy, you know, person. I'm just saying move your body, have an outlet. It's so good for the brain, man. Exercise is so good for the brain. I get stressed out. If I'm having a bad day, I had a pretty, it's not not a tough day, but I had a long day at work today and I was just frothing to get to the gym, man, and just kick the shit out of yeah. some bags, man, you know, like. Yeah, man. So my, my pad holder copped it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> but, 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 nah, it's, um, I, I totally believe yeah, man. exercise is the key. Even working with older people, yeah. like working in, um, you know, I've seen some people in their 60s and 70s and they're fit as, and you're like, What's, mm-hmm. the, what's the key to longevity in life? And they're like exercise, you know, exercise yeah, and, and nutrition. They're, they're, they're paramount, man. For sure. You know, so. for sure. Even, you know, yeah, if you're walking, like you just get some fresh air and move your body. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. what, 
if I've got a couple questions here. Um, it's been this has been good. We sort of strayed away from the questions, which is how I want these things to go. But what's some advice you have for people who are struggling with addiction right now? Um, I think I, I guess the advice is nothing changes if nothing changes. Um, you know, because sometimes we kind of fall in that cycle, like now nah, we'll get better, or, or tomorrow's a new day kind of attitude or pattern. Um, or I'm not as bad as them, or, you know, I don't need rehab, all that sort of stuff. So just really, really, I guess, check with yourself, um, be authentic to yourself, be real with yourself, and it's okay to get help from people. Mm. Like, you know, and if you could do it by yourself, then why aren't you there now? Mm. Um, that that was something that for me because I was like, yeah, I can stop whenever I want. I could, you know, do whatever whenever I want, but if I could, then why wasn't I? It's okay um, to admit that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this bloke on the podcast. I met this guy in Thailand at a Muay Thai camp and it turns out he didn't tell anyone. I didn't find out till I left that he's a copper from Amsterdam, right? And he's just a fucking, right. just an absolute legend. And we were walking up. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I want to have him on. But we were walking yeah. up this really intense mountain and I'm like, man, I can't, I can't go any further. I've got injuries. I can't do this. And... He's like, well, we, we'll, we'll all stop. We all stop then. I'm like, I don't want to hold his back. He goes, no, you're not. This is If you can't come, this is as far as we go. And I'm like, mm. no, 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 no. And so he pushed me a little bit further, a little bit further. I said, what happens if we get to the top and I can't get back down? He goes, well, then we carry you down. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice of you, man. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And then we, we dropped back a little bit and he was sort of supporting me through the walk. And because um, it was fucking hectic. It's like big, you know, yeah. climbing <laughs> a, a meter a step. Um, vertical and then he said this thing to me that will stick with me forever he goes it's only a fool in life he, he said it sounds better in Dutch and he, and it did <laughs> but what he was yeah. trying to say is only a fool can get through life thinking that he can't rely on other people for help so it's it's like yeah. but when he said it in, he said it translates better in Dutch but if, if you are like yeah I know mate oh Glenn I, I yeah, I know how to get off drugs, mate. Don't worry. Then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. If I already knew everything, I wouldn't read your books. And you know, you gotta be, mm. you gotta be a sponge to fucking. Yeah. Me. But it was the, and it still sits with me. Okay. It still resonates so much with me when you know what he said. And um, and I think that's yeah. what you're trying to get across. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And, mm. and if, yeah, I love that, man. And, and if you can do I it, if you that. think you can do it by yourself, then having support is only gonna sort of enhance that experience, yeah. isn't it, man? You know. Bro, like for sure, like, um, you know, we, we like there's so much support around us. If we just ask for it or yeah. reach in and lean into that support, like yeah. you can do so many things. Like you, you just have to. Really. Yeah. I think we're living in a society now. Well, I thought probably it's been a long time, but I think everyone's like, you've got to be so strong. You've got to, you've got to be able, you know, broad shoulders. You've got to be able to deal with things. And I've, I've got another mm. book. I've been reading heaps of like, positive books lately and this dr jason wilson and he's a martial artist and he he like an Afri african-american bloke martial artist and he teaches his son he's got this book out cry like a man and he's he gets mm. people in to the martial arts class and he's yelling at him he's like he's pushing him going tell me your trauma tell me your trauma and these men are going <laughs> my, my, my mom used to beat me my father raped me, you know, and they're yelling at it and then yeah. they, they break down and cry. Fuck. And as soon as they start crying and then they break down, he's like, now we can start working. 
you know. Fuck. And it, yeah, it's, it's a fucking, it's an intense. Powerful, game. man. He's an intense, but which I, I said to the dude I interviewed last week, I might start a bit of a book club and we'll start shimmying books. Should, sh- bro. Shimmying titles around, um, that could be a side thing. On yeah, the man. But, um, fucking Dr. Oh. Jason Wilson, man, he's fucking hardcore. Yeah, so, man. And I need just, to write that down. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll put some links. I'll link him into it, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But it's just hardcore, like, you know, people's different ways. And, like, you've, your approach is pretty amazing. There's other – I think some of the approaches are outdated, like you said, like NA, standing up there. Not that sharing your story is a problem, but, like, going in there saying, hi, I'm fucking Beats and I'm a – I'm an alcoholic, you know, it's like you're, af- you're, yeah. you're confirming that that's what you are, you know, whereas I, I believe mm. like if, if I'm going to, if I'm like going to stop using when I did, I'm like, I think I remember telling you this. I just said to people, you can't be in my life anymore because mm. you're not my friend. You're my dealer and mm. I'm getting off drugs. So see you later. And they were like, fuck you, mate. You're a fucking dog. I'm like, well, really? You're the dog. Cause you're the one selling me the fucking drugs. I want to get clean, and you're just pissed off because you can't do it yourself, you know. So you yeah, junkies drag junkies. Fuck drag, it junkies. I don't even like the term junkies, but users bring users down, you know. So, and I bumped into these people twenty years down the track, and they're fucking scraggly, fucked out, gone nowhere. Yeah, man. You know, so it's kind of yeah. it's kind of a good feeling. So we've got <laughs> one and a half hours. I've got a I've got a question here. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to keep you forever. I know you got. You gotta compact, I got compact, so much to do. You gotta compact your time down there during the day. <laughs> I've got a I've got a question I've been asking people. It's a bit like a signature question. So, if you could write yourself a letter and send it back to your eighteen-year-old self, well, I guess in your case, your sixteen-year-old self, fifteen-year-old self, what would it say, and why? This is probably the most structured question you'll get on here. <laughs> I know you're going to Oprah on me. <laughs> <laughs> you get a letter. You get a letter. Um, <laughs> I think um, what I guess what I would say is um, everything, you know, everything is going to be okay, and you don't have to be so so angry because in the end it'll work out. Yeah. Um, you know, and also, yeah, I, I, I think it's just that reassurance of everything's going to be okay. Um, you know, because when I kind of look back on that, it was inside. I was just very angry, very hurt, very uncertain because I was just like, you know, hurt that my parents split up, hurt that I was using drugs, hurt that I was selling drugs, mm. hurt you know, in my situation, all that sort of stuff, but just putting on a front, um, you know, so I would really, I guess, write that and just say that, you know, everything is, everything is going to be okay. Like, mm. it's okay. You know what I should do? Like, I, it's funny, you're the third person to answer and sort of break it down into one paragraph. So I might change the question to if you could write yourself a paragraph. And I was thinking maybe I should start answering myself that's relevant to the podcast. What fuck, what would I write? In a situation like this when it comes to drugs, mm. I would write a letter to myself saying, don't listen to your brother. 
<laughs> Drugs are bad. <laughs> I, I, I would. I wish. I don't know. I think. I think using and coming out the other end makes you who you are. But the fuck that mm. I waste a lot of money and risk and some of the risk taking behavior I I took on drugs is is ridiculous. So, and I just yeah, I just feel like like even smoking cigarettes I don't want to be old and they're like you've got emphysema you know like and this is because you fucking did this and now as a grown ass man I'm like man you know you wouldn't you wouldn't go and do that now and that's why when I was doing my youth work I'd, I'd say these kids they're doing this that and the other and I'm like man it's not worth it it's really not worth it it seems cool it's glorified I see people yeah. starting smoking now I work with this young 20 year old girl and she's smoked cigarettes I'm like how the fuck who the fuck gets addicted smoking now when it's like $50 a packet, man? I said, when, oh, I, when, bro, I, know. when I started, they were like $3 a packet. You know, that's feasible, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, I know, man. I think they're like 10 bucks when I was smoking. Yeah, well, 50 bucks now. Well, they, oh, when, I, when I quit a packet of smokes, like Peter Stuyvesant, I used to smoke. When I quit, they were like 12 bucks. And I was just like, same thing. I'm I'm done. And I just threw them out the car window. Threw a, well, first time, my daughter said, Dad, I don't want you to die from a smoke-related disease. So I just fucking mm -hmm. threw them out the window. And then after I split up with her mum, I had a real bad patch of drinking, drug use, and ciggies. And, um, and then I met my wife at the moment, and I just said, I don't want to smoke anymore. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. And... Um, if she has one and she's having a drink and she has a cigarette, fuck, does she hear about it from me? <laughs> <laughs> you know how much that cigarette costs? It's 15 bucks for a cigarette. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, well, it, it almost is like a dollar a smoke now, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, shit. It's crazy. So, all right, well, man, that's it's been fucking pretty awesome. Um, do you want to let people know where they can buy the book and how to find you on social media and stuff? Yeah, bro. So um, I got my Facebook page, um, which is Glenn Munso Youth U Program. Yeah. So Y O U, so Youth U Program. Yeah. Um, Instagram, Youth U Program. Um, and then, yeah, you can buy my books at youthuprogram.com. Yeah. And, on, and only special people get the fucking real Facebook name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, only special people get my real name. That's sick, man. <laughs> Uh, and so anything to plug, anything coming up? You can't even travel, uh, can you? So maybe we'll re revisit nah, bro. So at the moment, well, at the moment, I'm just doing the 21-day mental health and addiction programs. Yeah. Um, so just been doing them, man. We're on, our, we're on second round now. Yeah. Um, which has been awesome. Lots of people yeah. in it, man. Awesome. Man, fuck. I didn't realize how many. Yeah. I got overwhelmed. I was like, shit. I didn't realize there was that many people who signed up. You're the Zoom um, master, man. <laughs> Last night, you're telling me, like, <laughs> this is like telling my mum how to send a text, bro. <laughs> this is my first time I've used Zoom. So. Wait, you got there, huh? You got yeah, there. We're here. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, fuck, man. All right, so that's it. That's um, Mr. Glenn Munso. Go out and buy his book. Um, he's not even paying me to say that. If you do have any problems with drugs, <laughs> go out and read it. It's really good. I used it myself for um, for what I believe was a, a food addiction, and some of the some of the strategies are really cool. 
Um, so that's Glenn Munster. You know where to find him. Don't hang up, mate. I'll stop the recording and um, and we'll have a bit of a chat. Sure does, bro. Thanks so much for coming cool. on. I really appreciate it. I know you were really busy tonight down there in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was busy staying inside. <laughs> COVID. All right, man. Thanks very Still much. Still got my mask. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, for, for the record, Glenn was wearing a mask the whole time. He's in his own home. Yeah. All right, don't hang up, man. We'll, we'll have a chat after yeah. this. All right, peace, bro. Thanks for having me, bro. Cheers. Thank you. No worries. Get down, get down, get down.